0: you're listening to the bear report podcast with zach pearson and aaron lemming providing extensive coverage of the chicago bears for the bear report website the podcast is powered by overtime media now here's zach and aaron
2: Welcome in Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. It is week 17. The Bears are facing a win-and-you're-in situation, but lying in front of them is the Green Bay Packers, a team that just destroyed the Bears a couple weeks ago. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, first, I hope you had great holidays. Um, I hope you're staying safe out there, and um, I hope everything is going well.
3: Yeah, so far so good, man. House is getting close, and you know the Bears are close to the playoffs. Kind of weird, man. It's, right. Yeah, it's 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 been nice too because I finally got some little bit of time off of work and just been kind of able to relax a little bit. I'm sure everybody's kind of in the same boat right now. You know, it's been one of those been one of those years. You know, obviously with COVID and everything else going on, everything kind of ramping back up. It's definitely. Time to, you know, good to get some time off and kind of, you know, reflect a little bit and recharge for next year and hope for better things next year. I think that's the most important thing, you know, beyond football and all that is hopefully the vaccines will continue to get distributed and we can kind of get back to a a normal life at some point in 2021.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, man. And, uh, you know, it's a weird time for the Bears as well, because we're talking about a team that started the season five and one. Um, probably not as good as that five and one record, you know, maybe one of those situations where they got lucky in a couple wins and caught some teams by surprise. But they also then lost six straight games, and they looked really bad in those final two losses uh, to Green Bay and then blown a 10-point lead to the Lions. But here we are, man, week 17 in this team sits as the number seven seed right now. And what lies in front of them is you beat the Green Bay Packers, you're in the playoffs, you lose and you need some help. And right now it doesn't look like the bears can really bank on that help because the rams are not going to have jared goff they're not going to have cooper cup they're not going to have Darrell henderson um they probably won't have cam Akers, uh, although he is questionable for the game and you know Arizona's going to have kyler murray and arizona has something to play for because if you're the cardinals and you're looking at this game you're like okay we can beat the rams you know chances are green bay you know is right now probably going to beat the Bears. I mean, it's they're with five and a half point favorites. I mean, it's not, game's not decided yet, but if you're the Cardinals, you got to be liking your chances right now if you can get a win over the Rams.
3: Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, for as, as good as things went for the Bears um, in week 16, you know, and obviously the games haven't been played yet, but the Bears are facing a situation where it's almost kind of more of a win and end type of scenario. And it's, it's really weird. And I tweeted this out the other day and um, you know, a few people will kind of like, ah, I think you're overreacting a little bit, but it feels like the Bears have a better chance of getting the sixth seed because this that's what happens. If if the Rams lose, if the Cardinals beat the Rams and the Bears win, the Bears are the sixth seed. They, they automatically jump from the seventh to the sixth because of the tiebreaker with the Cardinals and because of the three-team tie. Um, Los Angeles is actually the odd man out in that scenario. So I feel personally like that's more likely At least as of right now, then the Bears either winning and the Rams winning or the Bears losing and, you know, the 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 Rams winning as well. Because, again, like you pointed out, I mean, there's 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 a few things trending in the Cardinals direction right now. And that's the fact that Jared Goff's already not going to play. People can say what they want. You know, they can say, well, Jared Goff hasn't been that good anyway, but he's still a starting quarterback. And there's a big difference between having a starting quarterback who has at least produced well for you in the past Versus a backup quarterback of John Wolford, who's never even played an NFL snap. I know people liked him in Arizona when he was with the AAF, um, you know, and whatever else. But I mean, the, the reality of it is, is he's an undersized guy with not a very good arm. He's never taken in a regular season NFL snap and obviously pointed out Cooper Cup. Um, went on the COVID list today we don't know yet if that was actually a positive test or if that was a close contact if it's a close contact it was a pretty good chance he would be cleared as long as he doesn't have it by the time of the game but also like you pointed out too I mean one of the Rams biggest keys under Sean McVay when they've had offensive success has been running the ball Darrell Henderson has a high ankle sprain. So he's gone. He's, he's not going to play. He was, you know, they're starting running back. And then Cam Akers, who was one of the draft picks from this last year uh, is also dealing with a high ankle sprain. And it sounds like he's more of a 50, 50 shot, but at this point, I mean, he's already missed some time. You kind of have to lean the him out playing. So all of a sudden you're looking at a scenario where, you have a Rams team who's reeling right now. I mean, they're, they're playing really bad football. They lost to the Jets, uh, you know, and then the game this past week against um, Seattle. I mean, they look bad again. I mean, their offense can't move the ball. So all of a sudden you've got a situation where, you know, they could be fighting for their playoff lives. And, you know, the same thing with Arizona where they laid an egg against, a, you know, an inferior team with a ton of injuries in, in the 49ers last week. And all of a sudden they've got a chance to be able to come in and basically in win the game. I mean, obviously the X factor with all of this right now is Kyler Murray's status. And Kyler Murray took a pretty hard hit at the very end of the game in the last throw that he made on that fourth down play. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, at least as of, you know, Monday, had basically said that they're hopeful that he'll play, but they're not sure – what the week holds. My personal guess is that he's going to play. I think maybe they're, you know, maybe up playing this a little bit more than what needs to, what needs to be. But at at this point we know Jared Goff's not playing. He had, you know, he had surgery on a broken thumb that was also dislocated and, you know, Cooper cups kind of up in the air. Henderson's not going to play. Akers is up in the air. There's a lot of things out of the bears control trending in the wrong direction when it comes to a simple, if Arizona loses, the bears are in, but that is looking more and more unlikely right now.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it, it, it's – for me, I thought Goff would have probably tried to play through the broken thumb. I know there was a couple of reports that he could have, you know, maybe tested it out and maybe the pain wouldn't have been too much. But you're right, man. I mean, the Rams do have something to play for because they could miss the playoffs all around if the Bears win and they lose to the Cardinals. So, at least the Bears have that kind of to fall back on, you know, that, that the Rams do still have something to play for. Their main offensive weapon is the run game. And they also have a pretty damn good defense um, going out there on Sunday. And we saw what a a solid defense, a really good pass defense did to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals last Saturday, pretty much shutting down that offense. only allowing what I think was like 12, 13 points. Um, So, yeah, I mean, for the bears though, you don't want to fall back on having to have the Rams win. You'd rather go out there and take business, you know, take care of business yourself. We're going to break down some more playoff scenarios, Break down the, the Jaguars game and the preview of the Bears-Packers game here. Let's hit our first break of the show. we be right back after this.
1: The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm
2: Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache.
1: We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.
2: And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. So Aaron, pretty much how the Bears got here is they've now won um, three straight games. Their last win came on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it was kind of a slow start in that first half. You know, I was getting a little worried. The Bears jumped out to that 7-3 lead. They had a chance to pretty much go up 14-3, should have gone up 14-3, but they called a uh, end around to their tight end for whatever reason on first and goal from the one completely stalled the drive because it lost five yards and the bears had to settle for a field goal. But man, that second half is just like something flipped and the bears defense dominated didn't allow a third or a first down all third quarter. The bears offense scored not one, not two, but three touchdowns in that third quarter, a miracle. Um, And it just felt like everything clicked as they kind of put their foot on the gas and ended this one. You know, for me, I saw a lot of talk about how the defense is kind of, you know, playing bad and, and they let the Jaguars hang around for that first half. I do agree, but I also want to make the point of this whole team, offense, defense, and special teams kind of, you know, played well when they needed to the most in that second half and kind of put their stamp on the game. And for me, that was just kind of just impressive and good to see that they can, you know, be good on offense, be good on defense, be good on special teams, despite the Jaguars being the worst team in the NFL and tanking for Trevor Lawrence.
3: Yeah, you know, it was one of those situations where I think if you were to ask Bears fans how they felt going into halftime versus how they felt coming out of the third quarter, I mean, you're getting two different answers because like you pointed out, I mean, they – they 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 dropped down three nothing in the beginning um you know and and the bears defense really just didn't look that good and then all of a sudden the bears came back and they had those two scoring drives and that last scoring drive you know the the reverse or not even the reverse basically just a handoff to to Cole Komet just made zero sense you know and and they go up 10 to three and then it's 10 10 and they get that field goal right before the half after that terrible interception from Trubisky in the end zone you're thinking okay they got the lead. Let's see what they could do in the in the third quarter. And they kind of broke that stigma a little bit. You know, like you pointed out, they they scored 21 points in the in the third quarter and really put the game away. And, you know, it's one of those things. I know a lot of people are going to sit here and say, well, it was just the Jaguars. Jaguars, the worst team in the league. And OK, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, there were also those same people who are kind of saying that now are the ones that were like, oh, the Bears are going to blow this. The Bears are going to blow this. They're going to somehow lose to the Jaguars. And, you know, it's. So it's one of those things you can't have it both ways. The Bears took care of business the way that they needed to take care of business. And it's a situation right now where you look at it. And I think, you know, if, if you've watched this team over the last, I'd just say what four, maybe five games. I, I, I don't think there's anybody that has watched this team consistently that would say that the offense isn't um, outproducing the defense right now. And I think the big key moving into week 17 and hopefully beyond is the second half that the bears defense put out there, because let's just be honest. I mean, there were, there were times in the first half where you're looking at, you know, like how in the heck is a third string running back or a fourth string? I don't even know what string running back uh, that was, that was, that was there for Jacksonville because they've had so many different guys between James Robinson, Devino Zigbo. Uh, they also had um, uh, the, the one temple running back from a few years ago that the bears were, rumored to be interested in Reichwall Armstead and I mean they've had all sorts of guys in that backfield this year and you know so you had a basically a four-string running back having their way at times um, with the Bears defense Mike Glennon sitting back in the pocket with virtually zero pressure and just kind of picking apart the Bears secondary that was you know missing two of their starters but you know you kind of looked at the first half and you're thinking what is going on here you know, what, what I just, it didn't make any sense. And then Roquan Smith had that interception right at the end of the half to kind of turn things back around. And you're thinking, okay, you know, let's see how it goes. And then the second half, obviously the bears really turned things up and you know, the, the only points they gave up in the entire second half was in a garbage time scenario um, in the fourth quarter with a bunch of backup in. So to me moving forward, especially into this week against the Packers, the bigger storyline is going to be the defense. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was multiple people who listen to this podcast, multiple bears fans as a whole that probably watched the Packers game on Sunday night. And we've seen the Packers follow the same script a lot this year where they just bludgeon the living hell out of their opponent in the first half. And then they cruise in the second half. And they didn't really cruise as much in the second half, just because they just kind of kept pouring it on. But I think there were a lot of bears fans out there watching that game thinking, Okay, you know, the Bears defense have been playing pretty bad. You know, there's there's got to be some concerns going into that game, especially when you compare that to what we saw in week 12, where the Bears defense really has fallen off from that point. I mean, when you compare what they've done over the last few weeks, you know, you could you can look back on the Texans game and you can point to that as a positive and you can point to the second half of the Jaguars game as a positive. But for the most part, the Bears defense has not been playing well at all there's far too much talent on this defense for them to be playing the way that they, the way that they did. So I think it was kind of a multi multifaceted thing where you can kind of look at it and you can say, okay, it was good to see the bears rise to the occasion. And it was good to see them come out in the second half and really put that game away and really take control. I don't care if they're the worst team in the league. I mean, we, we saw it two weeks ago with the Rams, the Rams were right in the mix, not only for a playoff spot, but they were right in the mix to win the, the NFC West and all of a sudden, you know, they lose the Jets and all of a sudden they lose to Seattle and they're in a situation where if they lose and the Bears win, they're out of the playoffs. They go from almost having the division locked up to a situation where they may not even make the playoffs because they lost to the Jets who were at that point perceived the worst team in the league because they were, what, 0-13. So it's one of those things you have to take care of business regardless of what, what the opponent is. And the Bears had the worst team in the league last week. And now they're going to have the best team, at least in my opinion, in the NFC, and probably the second best team in the NFL. But they're going to have one of the best teams in the NFL this week in a win and end situation where we were all hoping last week that maybe it would come to a situation where the the Packers weren't going to be, um, you know, playing for much. But they they are. I mean, they got a game lead for that, you know, that that number one seed. But there's some easy games for Seattle, um, and then there's also you know an easy game for New Orleans as well, or maybe not as easy, but it's still not going to be a big challenge for them so I mean you're in a situation where you're going to be facing a Packers team with an MVP caliber quarterback and Aaron Rodgers right now Um, and this is where we're going to see the real test of how much the Bears have built over these last three weeks and again like I keep saying we really have to hope that that second half against the Jaguars where the defense really shut things down you know got some turnovers did some good things we really have to hope that that translates into week 17.
2: Yeah, and you know, part of those struggles from the defense in that first half against the Jaguars was because they weren't getting pressure, and it's, that's been a common theme all season long. I mean, you look, Khalil Mack, really not much of an impact on Sunday, um, Robert Quinn, not much of an impact on Sunday, Barcavius Mingo as well. They were kind of getting stonewalled by those tackles. You know, Keem Hicks, I thought, played a good game, didn't really get a lot of pressures, um, you know, did some good things, did some bad, Bilal Nichols was, was pretty good. Other than that, they really didn't get much pressure. Their lone sack came on a blitz with Danny Trevathan up the middle, and he got the sack there. But, you know, if they're not getting pressure, that leaves those defensive backs, the young defensive backs and Duke Shelley and Kendall Wilder on an island. Because if you watch that game, they didn't target Kyle Fuller. They were, Mike Glennon was not going Kyle Fuller's way. It's like he knew, if I go Kyle Fuller's way, it's going to end bad for me. So what the Jaguars pretty much did was they got DJ Chark, matched up on Vilder. They got DJ Chark matched up on uh, Shelley. They kind of, you know, um, the, the rookie, LaVisca Chenault was matched up on those two guys as well. And going back to watching Green Bay over the last couple years and what Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have done so damn well, they get mismatches and they get their guys on defensive backs that they know are going to win 100%. So you watched last year, we saw it at Green Bay. They put Devontae Adams on Buster screen a couple times in that game, and Adams had two touchdowns on him. This year, they 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 matched up Adams, they lined him up in the slot, or St. Brown the put in the slot. Um, Alan Lazard. Even going back and watching the Tennessee game uh, against Green Bay, the Packers did a great job of of the play action, pre-stamp motion, and they had St. Brown on a linebacker, and it was just no chance at all with that speed, and, and they hit him for a touchdown. So you know, the Bears defense is going to be up for a challenge. And if they don't get a pass rush for me, that's going to be the biggest key to this. If they cannot get a pass rush, you know, you're going to give Aaron Rodgers a lot of time to sit back there and pick you apart. And the other thing, you know, a lot of people say, well, why why can't you just blitz Rodgers? Why can't you send, you know, more than five or six at him?" Because Aaron Rodgers is really damn good at recognizing when the blitz is coming and where his receivers are going to be in the hot routes. That, that are put on and he will pick you apart. If he, bl- if you blitz them um, and you don't get to hit him, so the pressure is going to have to be there. And then that's something that really wasn't there against the Jacksonville Jaguars at all on Sunday. And, you know, that's kind of disappointing because watching that Minnesota game, I thought the bears had a lot of pressure on Kirk cousins were forcing him, you know, out of the pocket and forcing him into tough throws all game long, you know, flipping over, on the offensive side of the football, Aaron, we kind of talked about their slow start a little bit in in, in that awful drive um, where they had to settle for three where there should have been a touchdown and then the Trubisky interception. That's a throw you just cannot make. Rich Gannon said, it. that's a high school level throw. You cannot make that throw. And, and Trubisky himself said, you know, I, I saw it as a 50-50 throw. For me, that's like a 10-90 throw. That, that, that has little chance to be completed at all. What I do like, though, from this offense is... You know, they pretty much could have folded there after that Trubisky interception, and that could have been the backbreaker to their season. But they really didn't make many mistakes after that, and they came out in the second half, they ran the football, they put Mitch in good situations, rolling him out, um, using play action, using the pre-snap motion, it, it, and it worked. They had their best quarter of the entire year in that third quarter, scoring three touchdowns.
3: Yeah, well, and that's kind of the thing, right? You know, kind of going back to what you just said with, with the whole Trubisky situation is you – Man, you know, I I didn't think, by and large, Trubisky had a great game. I didn't think he had a terrible game. But, again, it's always that one or two throws, decisions, mistakes, whatever you want to call it, every game that he seems to have. And, you know, it's just – it's one of those things where good quarterbacks don't turn the ball over in the red zone. They don't turn the ball over in the end zone. That's something that we've we've seen in back-to-back weeks with Trubisky – even going back to the Minnesota game the week prior, where he throws and you know he th- he throws an interception in the end zone, and it's just those are the kind of things. Well, it's you can't pretty much do. like you... the same play almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you pointed out, it wasn't a 50-50 ball. That was that, it, like you said, it was a 90-10. I mean, there was there was four defensive backs there with two or three different receivers that you just don't make that throw. You get rid of the ball, and that's that's why when you know these people are talking about how more you know how much more confident and comfortable Trubisky is he still has the, you know, innate ability for whatever reason to, to make those decisions at the wrong time. And like you said, luckily it didn't cost them. Luckily it wasn't late in the game. Luckily it wasn't one of those, you know, it turned around and I mean, they got a turnover. What was it? A a play or two later from Mike Glennon, but it's still one of those situations where you look at it, you know, like, come on, man, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough, but I mean, the offense is playing at a really good level right now. I don't know how sustainable it is against better defenses, but I mean, if you really look at the NFC right now, then you really look at, you know, if you're just looking at the playoff picture as a whole, there's not a ton of good defenses in, in, in the NFC. I mean, obviously they won't be playing the caliber of defenses that they have been playing, but I mean, the Packers are, you know, a slightly worse version of what the bears have been doing right now. Seattle has improved, but they're still not a good defense. Um, the saints have had their moments, you know, on both sides, you know, it's just one of those things where you're not really looking at that one elite defense, at least with the top teams in the, in in the NFC right now. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely good that the bears offense is starting to really translate over. I mean, this is the, you know, this is the first time since 1965 that they've scored, um, 30 points consecutively in four games. I mean, that's, that's just, just, just it's crazy. I mean, George Hallis was the head coach. And and Gail Sayers was a running back. That's wild. That's the to me, that's just crazy. I mean, that just goes to show you, you know, obviously the game has changed a lot. And don't get me wrong, the game has changed a lot during that time frame. But the fact that this has been such an offensive league for a while now, and the Bears have have yet to do this up until now, I mean, just goes to show you. And I think a lot of that comes down to they've got to keep David Montgomery involved. And that was kind of one of my concerns in that game was up until the you know the latter parts of the game when they already had the game in control, he wasn't a giant part of the offense. I mean, he there for a while he was still under 10, you know, 10 carries going into going in halftime. That to me, that's crazy. It's like your bread and butter all year has you know, w- when you're actually playing good football since Bill Laser's taken over as you know, the the play caller. Is getting Trubisky and rolling him out of the pocket, which they didn't do nearly as much of committing to the run game, mixing it up with the run game in terms of inside and outside zone and the different things that they were doing. And they didn't do a whole lot of that. There wasn't a whole lot of balance until the game was already kind of out of hand. I mean, my my personal theory, and I've said this a few times now, my personal theory is somehow Matt Nagy was calling plays. And I don't know if he just had a bigger influence and was telling laser more directly what he wanted or whatever it was, but there were a lot of plays and maybe, maybe you disagree, but there were a lot of plays within that game, you know, that the, the Cole Komet handoff and, and just the lack of balance on offense there for a while where it just, it didn't look like it has since uh, Bill lasers taken over. And those are the kind of things where you want to be able to believe that the bears offense can sustain probably not 30 points a game. I mean, that's, That's a pretty high total, but you want to see them in the mid to upper 20s. I mean, that's going to win you, especially if the defense is playing, you know, halfway to their capability, that's going to win you a lot of games and that's going to keep you in a lot of games, but you, you want to see the consistency of the offense and how they've been doing things. And I get every defense is different, but let's just be honest here. I mean, the, the Jaguars going into that game, were giving up almost 150 yards on the ground per game. And, you know, up until the latter parts of the game, the Bears weren't even close to that number. I mean, they didn't even break the 100-yard mark in the first half, and it wasn't even really that close until the, you know, the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. And th- those are the kind of things where you, you just kind of wonder. It's like it seems like every single time the Bears have something going, even offensively, you're kind of wondering when is Matt Nagy or when is his coaching staff going to revert back to the way things were before because they think it will now magically work. And that's just kind of, and again, I mean, the bears are playing good football, don't get me wrong. I mean, again, they're beating bad teams, but they're still playing good football. This is the best football and the most dominant football for the most part that we've seen from the bears in a while. And, you know, you just kind of have to hope it continues. But I think moving forward as weird as this is to say, I I think, there's going to be a lot more pressure on this offense to be able to produce points because let's just be honest again, the defense is just not playing the same way, and especially moving into this game against the Packers, especially moving into this game, the 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 offense is going to have to produce and is going to have to keep them afloat. No, I
2: totally 100% agree um, with the theory that Matt Nagy was maybe had a little more influence on the play calling because I, when I was watching that game, you know, first thing I said when when Cole commit took that hand off and, and it was stuffed. I thought to myself, I'm like, that's a Matt Nagy call. That is a call where for whatever reason you're trying to get And I, I kind of hate using this, but you know, the word too cute. I mean, it's first to go from the one Your running back has had a touchdown in four straight games coming into this one. He's been one of the better backs in the league in that stretch. And what you're doing there is trying to catch the Titans off guard for whatever reason. I mean, sure, okay, maybe a second down call there if, if Montgomery gets stuffed. Even then, you know, it's, just, it's just too risky for me. But why not just go with your workhorse running back from the one, hand it off, punch it in, boom, drive over with. Instead, you know, they, they try to get to that too cute and, and it just really felt like a Matt Nagy play call because you look at the very next play, what was it, first and goal from the five or six? Montgomery picks up three yards, and that was even a play with a lot of pre-snap motion, um, a a lot of things to try and confuse the defense as much as possible. And then your third down is, is, you know, uh, throwing the end zone to Robinson that probably could have been caught, caught, but I'm not going to fault him, you know, too much. That drive was killed on that that first down play. Um, There was a couple other, you know, plays during the game where I was kind of like, Maybe Matt Nagy's having a little, he's inching a little bit more into having more of that influence on the play calling. Now, you know, he does have an influence on the play calling. It's not all of it, but you know, he is telling Bill Lazor, Hey, if it's third and, you know, two or three, Hey, maybe we should run it here. Or, you know, if there's certain situations, I, I believe Matt Nagy has the final call on that, but Bill Lazor's call on the plays. I just, it just felt odd to me, man, that, you know, there were some calls that, was not really in the rhythm of the game and they were just kind of out of place. So I I do agree. Maybe Matt Nagy, you know, had um, more influence than we kind of thought. I want to talk a little bit more about Matt Nagy actually, because there was some news that came out before the game on Sunday. Before we do that though, let's hit our second break of the show. And Aaron, while we're on the topic here of uh, Matt Nagy and the play calling, you know, before the game, there was a reporter, I believe it was ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said that, You know, many believe Matt Nagy will be brought back for another year, at least Um, the bears are going to, if they finish eight and eight, even um, or miss the playoffs, he's still going to come back. Um, I do believe that's true. Now. I I really thought it was over when they lost the lions because of how they did lose the lions, but now kind of, you know, putting the pieces together, I really do believe Matt Nagy um, has has saved this job here in these, over these past three weeks. And You know, when I say that he's done a good job saving his job, I know that there's people out there that say, well, you know, he's still not good at his job, things and that. Let's look at it this way. We have to give him credit for all of his faults that he deserves blame for. We have to give him credit for admitting a mistake and handing over the play calling duties to Bill Lazor. He could have very well have been stubborn and said, no, I'm going to keep the play calling duties. And he could have very well, after that Minnesota game, the first game at Lazor called plays going into the bye week. He could have said, I'm, I'm retaking over the plays because that offense wasn't very good in the Minnesota loss. He also could have not stuck with Trubisky after that one game in Green Bay and kind of gone back to Foles. I have to give him credit there. I, he does deserve some blame, but now where I'm at now, I feel a little bit more comfortable with Matt Nagy returning than I did, what, week 12, 13?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a situation where – and this is kind of something we talked about even in the midst of their six game losing streak was, you know, the the bears were in a situation where they started off so damn good at five and one. And even if it didn't look great, it still was a five and one start. I mean, it was one of the best starts that they've gotten off to in quite some time. And obviously we know how that all went and how they've kind of had to pick themselves back up. But again, you look at it, and I mean, the absolute worst Matt Nagy could finish over, you know, the a three year period of regular season play was it w- would be he'd be twenty eight and uh, twenty eight and twenty one as a head coach. I mean, that's eight games over five hundred. Uh, you don't, you just don't. Or, sorry, twenty eight and twenty is what I meant. Um, Forty eight games, sixteen games a season. Yeah, okay. Anyways, but you don't fire a head coach with a winning record like that after three seasons, and especially. I mean, if you you really think about it, I mean, if you're just kind of putting, you know, this is kind of, you know, dialing back out and kind of looking at the broad, broad picture here, uh, you know this is the first time in terms of a stretch that the bears have had this in quite a while where they haven't had a losing season in three consecutive seasons. I mean, and it's not to say, I mean, Matt Nagy obviously was 12 and four in his first year. And that obviously has kind of helped out a lot, but they were eight and eight last year and the worst that they can do is eight and eight this year. I mean, if they win and they make the playoffs, that's going to be playoffs in two out of three years, winning records in two out of three years. And his record, you know, as a head coach will all of a sudden go to 10 over 500 at 30, like, would it be 29 and 19? I don't even know. I, I can't. Dude, I hate point. math. That's, yeah, why I'm, I, that's why I'm a writer. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, either way you get the point 48 games, you know, there's going to be 10 games over 500. So whatever, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not even going to try, I guess it would be 29 and 19, but the point being is you don't, at least on the surface you don't fire a coach over that then you start conglomerating everything else and don't get me wrong Matt Nagy has had his faults and he absolutely has had his faults and I think us as Bears fans are conditioned to believe that when a coach has his faults he doesn't change we saw the same thing with Lovey Smith where he was always consistently putting out good defense but, but he can never consistently find a solid offense even with as much as they did, because a lot of it ended up being coaching, you know, and then Mark Tressman, obviously we know how that went, you know, the first eight and eight year, they barely missed the playoffs to, you know, a week 17 loss of the Packers. And then they completely implode in year two and he looks like a giant coward. And then John Fox was basically brought in to do what John Fox does and, you know, get the, get the culture turned around and, you know, kind of get it, you know, the team established back up. He never had a winning record, but he served his purpose, but you know, it is what it is, but, Again, I think as Bears fans, there's a lot of conditioning to believe that coaches cannot change and that they're basically their issues always stay. And what and kind of like you pointed out what we've seen with Matt Nagy is and I'm not saying he's a great coach and I'm not saying that he's changed fundamentally or, you know, any crazy things. But what I am saying is that he has shown a propensity to identify issues And he's finally changed, at least for the time being, to do what is better for the team. And that obviously started out with Bill Lazor as the play caller and basically realizing that he's just, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion, he's not suited to run an NFL offense and be a play caller. Um, to, you know, going back to Trubisky after, I mean, make no mistake. Nick Foles was Matt Nagy's guy this offseason. He, that was the solution that he wanted that quarterback after everything else that had happened. Obviously it wasn't just that simple, but out of all the options that they had, Nick Foles was Matt Nagy's choice that failed that failed miserably. Nick Foles is clearly about like a Mike Lennon right now. I mean, he's got the super bowl, you know, but I mean, outside of that, when you look at him, he's about on that Mike Lennon level, um, you know, but he, he decided to go back to Trubisky and stick with Trubisky. There are, you know, in committing the run game and doing some of the different things that he's done. There are clearly signs that not only does Matt Nagy get it, but that he can make those changes and put his ego aside. Now, obviously the big thing moving forward, assuming that he is the head coach in 2021, regardless of what happens on Sunday is going to be does he revert back because we've seen that we've seen him revert back or does he stay the course and say, okay, you know, you're going to have bill laser again. Nobody's going to go out and sign him, you know, or, you know, poach him away as a head coach. You've got bill laser again. Um, You know, do you continue to let him have the play calls work more this offseason and really get something figured out for the offense and moving forward or what do you do? But I mean, again, when you, when you really, jump back and you, and you look at this three-year picture that has happened with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, um you know obviously again Matt Nagy has his faults as does Ryan Pace and and personally I believe that if there's one that should go it should be Ryan Pace because I think that Ryan Pace has shown a propensity to not learn from his mistakes and I think that's the bigger key there is he continues to take multiple swings on positions like quarterback and positions like tight end and he fails but the bigger issues to me is it's how he's taking those swings at quarterback Then you look at the offensive line and you look at some of the other things that he's done he's quickly turning into Mickey Loomis when it comes to cap stuff. It's just, to me, when you look at who can change and who identifies issues and who makes the the correct changes versus who doesn't, I think that that's where Matt Nagy is going to get the benefit of the doubt. Plus, at least from everything that's been reported to this point, Matt Nagy has another year on his contract over Ryan Pace at this point. So Ryan Pace is going into a lame duck year next year and Matt Nagy is not. So I think that's kind of another factor, but I mean, either way, I don't care if you love him, if you hate him, if you're indifferent, the fact that the bears went from five and one to a six game losing streak to where they were five and seven, when it looked like all hope was lost, I'd written them off. You'd written them off. All of us have written them off. We didn't think there was any chance that this team was going to be able to figure things out and get it right. You know, back on the right track. The fact that Matt Nagy was able to keep this team focused, get them back together, I don't care. Again, the, the the level of opponents does not matter at this point. They've still won three games in a row. They've still had to battle them their way back in, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs in two out of three years this Sunday because of it. There is a lot of value in that, and there's also a lot of value because of the changes that Matt Nagy has made. And, again, he's shown the ability to make changes and identify issues And there's some value in that, you know, and I'm not saying he's a long term answer by any means, but I do think with the adjustments and the comeback that he's made over these last few weeks and, and not letting the locker room fall apart and everything else, there's clearly something to Matt Nagy as a head coach and maybe he can grow.
2: Yeah, you're right. Because this whole thing could have come spiraling down. He really could have lost the locker room. Um, They could have extended their losing streak. And, you know, they couldn't, might not even be in a position to make the playoffs. I really thought that's the direction we were going when they lost to Detroit. You don't lose to the Lions like that. You can't give up a a 10 point lead um, with under four minutes left in that game. And, you know, it, that game actually might cost them a season because they could use that win right now and they would be um, in the playoffs. But when that game was over, I thought it was going right into that direction. I thought this they were spiring out of control. They were going to lose. Uh, They're going to lose out or lose a majority of the rest of their games. And it was going to be a complete overhaul. Now, I think Nagy's safe. I don't think that means that there won't be any changes. Um, You know, the Bears could address the Ryan Pace issue. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's name is being brought up now in other reports that the Bears have to at least consider bringing him back. I don't think that's going to happen either. I think there's a very slim chance of that um and, and we could see you know what happens with Ted Phillips there in the front office so I, I still think it'll be an interesting offseason I think right now the only guy that can kind of feel safe about his job is Nagy so I, I tend to agree with everything you said there and I think you hit the nail on the head um but let's actually get into our preview um, of the Green Bay game we'll do that right after the break welcome back in here to the Bearport podcast so Aaron I mean let's get right to you this year What chance do the Bears have to beat the Packers on Sunday um, in Chicago? Right now, they're five and a half point underdogs and Green Bay, you know, just is is red hot right now. The best team in the NFC, one of the top three teams in in the NFL. To me, I I think it's the Chiefs. Then I think it's the Packers Bills right there at two and three in any order. Um, You know, realistically, what, what shot do they got in your eyes?
3: Man, I I wish I wish I wish I could be more optimistic. I would say probably a 30-70 shot at this point. I, I just you know, and it's in, in, in. I guess this is kind of another conversation too, where a lot of Bears fans have been having over the last few days, where it's like, well, if the Bears belong in the playoffs, they're going to beat the Packers. Well, you know, that's easy to say. But at the same time, the Packers are playing really damn good football right now. I mean, there's no denying that anybody who's watched the Packers over the last few weeks knows how dominant they've been, especially in the first half of games. I mean, that's it's a tough ask for the Bears to beat them in the playoffs, much less to get into the playoffs. My mindset is at this point, I'm not saying that the bears deserve to be in the playoffs because frankly i don't really know at this point i mean you look at the afc right now and you're going to have one 10 or 11 win team you're going to have a double digit win team that's going to miss the playoffs this year in the wild card I mean, just to give you an idea, and then you look over at the NFC and you've got the the NFC uh, East, that's just a disaster. Somehow the Cowboys still have a chance going into Week 17. The same thing with the Giants and the same thing with, uh, the you know, the Washington football team. And then you've got a scenario where if the Rams lose, then you're going to have two playoff teams that are, that are nine-win teams or an eight-win team and a nine-win team, regardless of, you know, it, however you look at it, it doesn't really matter. The point being is you're going to have – Three single-digit win teams within the NFC. So, you know, whether you believe that the Bears belong in the playoffs or not is, you know, it is what it is at this point. But I don't think the barometer to the Bears getting into the playoffs is solely staked on them beating – a really good Packers team. And I, and that's kind of where I'm like, okay, you know, obviously I don't want to see the Bears going to the playoffs with a loss and then getting in because Arizona somehow blows it. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is the Bears either belong to be there or they, they either, you know, they either, you know, they should belong or they should not. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to right now. But I don't think that them beating the, the Packers or losing the Packers is that determination in terms of, you know, the mentality of that. I think it's just something as simple as, if they get in the playoffs at this point, they do. And if they don't, they don't. I mean, there's other teams that don't deserve to be there that will be as well. I mean, mainly the, the NFC East at this point, but it is what it is. But again, the Packers are playing really good football and don't get me wrong. The bears are playing better football too. But I think in terms of matchups, there's just not a lot of matchups to like for the bears right now, unless the bears defense has the game of, you know, of, of their season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm with you. I, you don't want to have to rely on the Rams winning the game because they're going to be playing at the same time as you. Um, you you'd rather just go out and take care of business and, and beat your rival. I mean, it's Week 17, Your are hated rival. The, the, the rivalry has been lopsided recently. Aaron Rodgers has owned you. The Packers have put daggers into you, you know, before. 2010, they beat you. Uh, well, 2010, you know, they beat you in Week 17, and, the, and then it cost the Bears the NFC Championship game. And 2013, the Week 17 dagger as well. I just, I don't know, man. I, I feel optimistic that the Bears could could get a win. I'm still at, you know, the 30-70 like you are. Um, I just, I'm also preparing for the worst. I'm preparing for the Aaron Rodgers dagger just because we have seen it time and time again where you know, the Bears maybe hang in this game and then it's a blown coverage or it's, you know, Rodgers making an incredible play to Devontae Adams or the Bears make a mistake. It's just, I've seen it too many times. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not very confident that the Bears will be able to beat the Packers. That's why I've kind of just been focusing and, and paying more attention to the Rams and and Cardinals. And I think, you know, the whole logic of, You know, whenever someone says something about the Rams and Cardinals game, it's, well, we'll just worry about your own business first. It's like, yeah, but we also have to be realistic here. I mean, this is a very, very, very good Packers team. This Packers team that the Bears have seen, they're going to see this year, is probably better than any other teams they have seen, what, in the last decade. Even the Super Bowl team. That Super Bowl team was a six seed. They needed to beat the Bears in week 17 to get in. And you know the, the they weren't they're a good team they weren't a great team I think this Packers team has a chance to be a great team and go on the Super Bowl run I guess that year they went where well, they go fifteen and one and got bounced in the playoffs that was a really damn good Packers team but for me I mean they're clicking right now they are on fire they have an offense that looks like no one can stop right now and their defense is playing a lot better so I don't have a lot of confidence sadly you know if I, I am worried about the Rams and Cardinals game a little more in my eyes. But for me, it's going to come down to that pass rush, man. If the Bears cannot get a pass rush on Aaron Rodgers, it they're not winning a shootout. I mean, they're not going to be able to put up 40 points against this Packers defense. It's going to have to come down to the pass rush and maybe one or two Aaron Rodgers mistakes. But unfortunately for the Bears, I mean, if you watch that Packers-Titans game, Aaron Rodgers made one of those mistakes that he makes once in every, what, like, Thirty games or so, where he threw across his body across the field, and it was interception. I don't think he's making another mistake like that again anytime soon.
3: No, I, you know, dude, Aaron Rodgers is the machine. He's he is
2: unfair. He's unfair. He's so he, unfair. He is, man.
3: and I mean, he's playing. I, you know, I love Patrick Mahomes, and I think in terms of like, you know, in terms of age and and everything else that's going on for Patrick Mahomes, he's unquestionably the best quarterback in the league. But Aaron Rodgers is having a better year. I mean, there's just no other way around it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the league. If you look at his numbers, you look at what he's done. You look at what his offensive line has done. You look at what his running backs have done. You look at what he has done as a whole. I mean, here's the thing, man. They got Devontae Adams as a receiver. That's it. They don't have – there's no other big names that they have. They they All of a sudden, he's created Robert Tunyon. Who the hell was Robert Tunyon before this year? This guy wasn't even talked about. There was Jimmy Graham – and Jay Sternberger last year. And all of a sudden, Robert Tunyon has a – was it 10 or 11? I don't know if he got a touchdown in this one He leads game. all like,
2: tight end. He's got 12, I think. Or 10? No, 10.
3: 10. That's yeah. see, and that's crazy. I mean, th- but that's the thing. That is that is Aaron Rodgers. That is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's just no other way of putting it. Aaron Rodgers, as much as I hate to say it, is a fantastic quarterback. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game in a generation where there has been a lot of really damn good quarterbacks. And that's just kind of the thing. And again, that's, that's where, when I look at this game, that's what it comes down to for me is that, you know, and this is nothing against Trubisky because let's just be honest here. I mean, there's just no quarterback within the division that even lines up near him at this point, but it's, that's really what a lot of these games come down to is who has the better quarterback. And we've seen it time after time, after time, time after time where Aaron Rodgers just knows how to beat the bears. I mean, there's a reason that since Aaron Rodgers has, has become the starting quarterback of the green Bay Packers, there's a reason that it's been so damn lopsided because he knows how to beat the bears. And if this was any other year, if this was 2018 when the bears had that magnificent defense, I would feel pretty good. And again, that's kind of my concern right now is that the Bears' defense is not good enough. It's just not – they haven't been playing good enough. It's not for a lack of talent. Maybe it's for a lack of depth, but it's not for a lack of t- talent. I think it's for a lack of coaching at this point. That is my big concern, and that's where if you're a Bears fan, you have to hold out hope for two trends that we've seen, and that's one that the Bears are going to score points offensively. The, the Packers' defense, they're not bad. They're not a bad de- – I'd say they're middle of the road. I mean, in terms of numbers, are actually – right around the same as the Bears. But, I mean, the Bears have had, you know, a a pretty bad stretch. But, you know, the the Packers' defense is, you know, it's a defense that you can get after. I mean, it's a defense that you can run the ball against. It's a defense that you can pass against. Um, But, again, it all comes down to what can the Bears' defense do. And there's two trends. And one, that's obviously the Bears' offense has got to continue to score points. And I think a big part of that is going to be commitment to the run game. And then the other part, too, is we have to hope that somehow, some way, that second half against the Jaguars was a springboard moving into this game. And I'm sorry, and this is where I start calling people out, but here's the thing, man. The Bears have a ton, and I mean a ton of money wrapped up in that defense right now. And, you know, it's just, here's the thing. Eddie Jackson, make a play. You haven't done hardly anything all year. Make a damn play. As far as the front seven goes, you're looking at a, a lot of high-paid guys. Akeem Hicks, make a play. Khalil Mack, we you know the the Bears traded two second two first round picks for you, a third round pick, and made you the highest defensive player in the league. Make a few plays, not just one play. You need to make a few plays. You need to actually hold your weight. Robert Quinn, make a play, do something. Th- these are the kind of things that the Bears defense is going to have to do in order to get the win. I mean, it's just it's one of those situations. I played it back in my mind. I try to be optimistic about it. There's not a lot of pass to victory for the Bears right now. The Bears' offense is going to have to keep them in the game. The Bears are going to have to hang hard in the first half. That's just what it is because that's, that's how the Packers have been winning games all year. If you can get the game into the second half and it's within a score on one side or the other, the Bears have a chance. But the last thing that the Bears can do is follow their script from in week 12 where they got blown out in the first half, and then there was just nothing to play for in the second half. And that's kind of the thing. And that's the other factor to this game as well is the Packers have a game lead over the second and third seat right now. So whether that's New Orleans, whether that's Seattle, um, we'll have to see in terms of, you know, I would assume that everybody's going to be playing their starters. And, you know, obviously there's not a lot of favorable matchups because, I mean, Seattle is playing, you know, a lesser team and the same thing with, uh, you know, with New Orleans. It's not like New Orleans and Tampa Bay are going at it or Seattle and the Rams are going at it Seattle and Arizona are going at it. Like they're playing the 49ers. And if I remember right, I think New Orleans is playing, I want to say it's Atlanta again. I could be wrong. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's a, uh, no, Tampa Bay's,
2: I think Tampa Bay has got Atlanta. Okay.
3: Yeah. So they're playing the Panthers either way. It's a divisional game. It's it's the bottom of the division versus the top of the division. So there is an outside chance if all things go great that somehow maybe the Packers, you know, start kind of scoreboard watching a little bit, kind of like the bears did um, a few years ago, you know, in 2018 with the playoffs and they decided to keep their guys out there, in the second half, there is a small chance, not a big chance, but there's a small chance that that can happen if everything was to go right for the Bears. But more than more than realistically, they've got to keep this game close going in the second half. And like you pointed out, they've got to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's just no other way around it. The offense has to hang, and they've got to do something, to Aaron Rodgers. Because I'll tell you right now, if they give Aaron Rodgers the kind of time that they gave Mike Glennon, and Mike Glennon actually, you know, produced pretty well against him for a while, if they give him Mike Glennon type time then Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for six or seven touchdowns in the first half of the game. I mean, it's just what it is. And that's how good green Bay has been playing. I mean, this is not, regardless of how you feel about green Bay, green Bay is playing excellent football. So again, I mean, this is really a calling card for the defense. You've got a ton of high paid players on that side of the ball. You sunk a ton of resources into it. Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, uh, Robert Quinn. There's a lot of guys on that defense that need to step up and they need to step up in a big way.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. That's the key, man. And, you know, looking at it, this is the type of game – where potentially you try to steal a possession or two because you know hey the more that aaron Rodgers has the ball the more possessions he gets it's more than likely he's going to turn them into uh uh, points you know so maybe we do see some trickery in terms of a fake or an onside kick or you know maybe bears try to control the clock and establish the run a little more you're going to have to try to steal an extra possession or two in this game if you want to be successful and you know the other thing i agree with you and i know i mentioned as well as the pass rush your guys have to step up. This game for me is going to be on the defense. The defense has to give you a chance to win the bears offense. And a lot of it was in garbage time. I, I totally understand this. You know, when last time they played the Packers, the offense put up some points where those garbage time, which it was, but the defense really did not give them a chance to win that game at all. Like you said, that game was over with at halftime air Rodgers marched right down the field. The bears had him in a third down and they rushed three guys and he found an open guy in a dime package for a big game to, to move the chains. And then he converted another third down. Then it was a touchdown. You cannot let that happen. This is 110% this game on the defense, because, you know, if the defense can't hold Aaron Rodgers and Packers team to under 30 points, I don't think the bears have any shot. And, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about the previous meetings, you know, the last game that we saw the Packers, their offense was firing on all cylinders. And right now their offense is firing on all cylinders, but Chuck Pagano has seen this Packers team twice in 2019. That first game they held in the what? It was 10 points. And it was a, it was a, a bad coverage that led to the touchdown. Otherwise the Packers would have had a field goal. The game late in green Bay. It was still a close game. The bears had a chance at the end to tie and send it into overtime. So we've seen Chuck Pagano come up with the game plan to slow down the Packers a little bit. The problem is, that offense, Matt Lafer's offense really wasn't clicking at all last year. This year, it's just a totally different beast. So, Chip has got his hands full, and, and he's got to come up with a better game plan on Sunday. Otherwise, the Bears are going to have no shot at winning this game. Now, um, Aaron, I, th- I think we should wrap things up here. Do you want to give your prediction and maybe your X factor?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, again, it pains me to do this, and I, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope we're not sweating out both games at the same time. But – I'm gonna go with the Packers, uh, 31, Bears, 24. I, I don't know, man. I I really, really, really wanna believe that the Bears can win this game. And I and I think to a certain extent they can, but it's just it's this is about the worst week 17 matchup win-in situation that you could possibly ask for when you're talking about the Bears. Um, so yeah, that's going to be my score prediction. And like I said, I mean, the X factor is really going to come down to, I guess I'll go a little bit more broad on this one. Um, I'm just going to say, you know, hang with the Packers in the first half. I mean, that's really been the big key for a lot of teams this year has been getting just completely bludgeoned in the first half. The Bears need to be able to hang. And I think if it was me personally, if it was me, and I'm Matt Nagy and I win that coin toss, I'm absolutely 100% taking the ball right out of the gate. I want to see my offense go down and score, whether it's three points, whether it's a touchdown, do something to set the tone. Because last time we saw the Bears' defense start and it just all went to crap. And that's kind of the thing. I don't think – I mean, if you look look at what the Bears have done this year and the games that they've won – when they jump out, when they score first, they haven't lost. And when they jump early and get a lead early in the game, even if it's, you know, the other team gets a field goal and they come back with a touchdown, kind of like what happened to Jacksonville, they win the game. They have had more issues playing from behind than anything. And that I think that's the big key is just keeping this game close in the first half. Like I said, if it's within a score going in the second half, regardless of who gets the ball, I think the Bears at least put themselves into a spot to win the game. But that's a lot to ask because, like I said, Green Bay has been jumping out and just beating the crap out of their opponents on the first half this year and cruising in the second half. That's something that the Bears have got to – kind of change the direction of, and I think the big key for that is not relying on that defense, relying on the stronger of your two units, which would be the offense. If you win the coin toss, you take the ball, you go down, you score, you try to set the tone, you try to give the defense some comfort right out of the gate. And that's, that's the script that I'm going with.
2: Yeah, I agree to that point. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to take the Packers as well. I think it's going to be, you know, somewhere around like 36, 24 Green Bay. Um, I, I just think, you know, right now, what we saw that last game um, against green Bay. It's really hard for me to uh, pick the bears in this one. And I think the bears are going to have to rely on the Rams beating the Cardinals, which right now doesn't look too promising either. Although, you know, it, the bears are in that situation. You win and you're in here and you can even get as high as the five, uh, six seed. If um, the Rams do lose, cause they'll be knocked out and you win. So yeah, I'm going to go the X factor. I, I think, I'll go the run game. Keep David Montgomery involved, man. I mean, the Packers defense is playing a little better. But, you know, Montgomery's had a nice stretch here of five games where he's had a touchdown and he's had over 100 scrimmage yards. Keep him going. And the other side, stop the run. I mean, the Packers won't – don't believe they'll have Jamal Williams. They'll have Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon had a nice game against the Tennessee Titans. Stop the run as well because you got to make the Packers as one-dimensional as possible. And, you know, whether that's forcing Rodgers to keep throwing or, you know, maybe putting the pressure on Rodgers and forcing them to go to the run game a little more. I think the Bears, that should be their game plan is stop the run and get pressure on Aaron Rodgers and then on offense, run the football, get David Montgomery going and kind of see what happens. Aaron, hopefully, you know, we're talking about a, a playoff game next weekend. Um, I really hope the Bears win. And if not, I hope the Rams win, win so we can do a playoff edition of the podcast, but um, thanks for joining me again. Work everyone follow you and read your work at.
3: Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL and you can read my work on the bearreport.com and I'm really man I'm I'm really hoping one way or another obviously like I said I wouldn't feel as great if the Bears lose and somehow get in the playoffs but I mean at this point it's been such a roller coaster they've already blown their draft positioning um, I really hope somehow the Bears at least get a chance to get into the playoffs and see what will happen because I mean their their offense is built to be able to hang and uh, to me outside of the Packers I don't think there's really any juggernaut teams in the NFC right now I mean the Bears already took the Saints down to the wire. I mean, I think, and again, I'm not saying the Bears can win the Super Bowl but I do think that it's not just some foregone conclusion if they get in the playoffs that they're going to get run out the first round. I think if they get in and they find a way to, you know, if they find a way to get in. I, I think that they can at least make things interesting and hopefully more interesting than 2018.
2: Yeah, I mean, what's that old saying? Just get in and anything's going to happen. I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I do think they they won't be an easy out. And if they do get in and get the Saints, you know, it, it'll be a different Quarterback will be a different offense for the Bears as they didn't have Mitch Trubisky last time they played them, and like you said, they took him down to the wires in, in overtime and had a chance to win that game too on the first possession. So, yeah, hopefully, man, the Bears get in. um You can follow the Bearport on Twitter at just Bearport. You can follow me on Twitter at zach z a c k underscore Pearson. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Until next week, everyone, please stay safe.